Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. good podcastville happy generic time of day to you thank you to blue canary for your sponsorship you as a listener of the show can also support the show through patreon today i have community members kent scott and joe mcmillan how are you guys doing very good thanks great to be here nice to see you good to see you again we are talking about the bethany lutheran affordable housing uh idea plan how would you define this joe well, it, this is a proposed ordinance that's been in front of the city council that was, I, I think it's correct to say, was originally um, urged on the city council by the Bethany Lutheran Church here on Bainbridge Island because they um, they hope, uh, as they say, to to build a kind of high-density affordable housing project on one part of their uh, Bainbridge Island property, uh, uh, which is tucked into this triangle between uh, Finch Road and uh, Sportsman Club Road in the center part of the island. Well described. Um, Kent, how did you first learn about this project? I know you got the nose to the grindstone, all things communal. Um, how'd this come on your radar? Uh, well, I've, as you said, had my nose to the grindstone ever since the election. And actually, in my 35 years here, I've been chasing lots of things. One of my major interests has been non-motorized safety. But certainly, land use is significant for me because for my professional career for over 40 years, I've dealt with planning and design issues and have worked on affordable housing, mixed-use, urban design, and that sort of thing. So what happens to the island is important and how it happens is equally important. So what is the proposal so far, Joe? How do you how do you envision what they're offering or asking? Well, there's, you know, there's a there's a history to it, Tim. Um, you know, my understanding is that in 2021 the the Bethany Lutheran Church came to the city council asked that they implement a Washington state statute which had been passed in 2019. And the statute um, directs cities and counties, um, all entities planning under the Growth Management Act to to confer an increased density bonus on religiously owned properties that are seeking to build affordable housing. So, you know, so the statute, which has been in place since 2019, um, confers or directs cities and municipalities to to grant an increased density bonus for exclusively religiously owned properties. The city, upon receiving that request, um, forwarded that to our planning commission, the Bainbridge Island Planning Commission, and originally asked that they consider um, drafting an ordinance uh, for the consideration of the city council uh, with – Bethany Lutheran as a pilot project um, for, you know, for potential use for a, a broader city, uh, you know, citywide ordinance, island-wide ordinance. The, the planning commission grappled with this issue for, oh, I don't know, six months or so through late 
2021 and, and early 2022, um, and ultimately deadlocked and uh, a 3-3 tie on, um, you know, on a, a, a particular draft of the ordinance that um, had been developed by the by the city planning staff with input. Um, and they they reported back to the city council that look we're we're at an impasse and we we need to come to you for either further directions direction or for you city council to take the issue back. The city council took the issue back as of um, late spring, you know, April mm -hmm. uh, about of, of this year, and so it has gone through a, a number of additional um, changes. Uh, the draft ordinance has, and and the draft ordinance um, has sort of emerged from this process and is now set for a public hearing um, at the city council's October 11th um, regular city council meeting. So there is a draft. It it you know we I can dive in to describe its contents now, or or, or we can we can hold that and, and yeah, let's continue to talk. But when listening to what you said there, one thing that uh, caught my eye was how is there a tie or impasse? Isn't there seven people on city council? Is there not seven on the planning commission? Do either one of you guys know that? Yeah, and I mean, I, I doesn't know the answer to that. <laughs> city manager, isn't that the vote that breaks it? Well, I mean, I don't know the, the answer no. to that last question, but but there is normally seven um, members of the, the planning commission. One member um, recused himself from participating in the vote because um, I, I understand, um, and Kent may correct me on this, but I, I understand that he is um, linked perhaps through um, – Rela relationship through a relationship yeah. with um, po possibly a, a, an entity working on the plan or or, or something or, like that. But yeah. but can I take a step back because absolutely so far you know we're looking at Bethany through the lens of affordability and affordable housing, but you know with any issue there's an intersectionality of things that have to be considered. You know what is in play when you're looking at any action. How do you solve a problem and not like Maria? Um, so let's look at affordability on the island broadly and then let's look at what Bethany actually means in the development of 21 houses uh, on the Bethany property. I mean, roughly speaking, a third of island residents cannot afford to pay their property taxes. You know, roughly a third are housing insecure, meaning that more than a third of their income is used for housing. I mean, this is a significant problem for affordable housing for people who live here now. This is a problem that needs to be solved. And if a third of the homes roughly being sold on island for many years are second homes, I mean, we have a deficit of availability based on, um, you know, who's able to buy the houses and the accessibility of houses. And what's more is the Affordable Housing Task Force report that was completed in 2019 identified that half of the rentals on the island went away because people chose to Airbnb their rental units. I mean, affordability is a big problem, and, and certainly Bethany is an issue uh, of affordability, but I don't think Bethany is really about affordability for two reasons. You know, one significant reason is council has the ability to create affordable housing in Winslow by creating policies that other cities across the nation have used, and the city has been unable to do that. In a way, I would think the council is so bent on approaching Bethany because they haven't done anything, and this is sort of a grasping at straws to do something. But let's look at what it did, it actually does. Um, thank you for giving me the the space to say this. I mean, the comp plan is super clear, and I know, Tim, probably you're going to want to delve into this, but the comp plan talks about the quality of life that exists on Bainbridge. And part of that is how the island develops. I mean, Bethany is clearly in a rural area, and uh, Joe lives in the neighborhood. I mean, there's trees, and there's orchards, there's play areas, there's parks. Wetlands. There's wetlands, there's streams. You know, what Bethany does is put a high-density development in a very rural, low-density area. Mm -hmm. And what's more is that the ordinance that's in front of council, and we may get to this later in the discussion, 
allows that same sort of development throughout the island. And I mean, this is a huge deal. It's not about affordable housing. It's about where we live and how the quality of the environment we live in is developed. And for some reason, council is missing this, in my view, as a significant uh, consideration. I want to push back a little bit in saying that uh, council has been working on projects towards affordable housing in the Wyatt-Madison um, complex by the roundabout, yeah. the Wintergreen Homes by ProBuild, um, Ace Hardware, and uh, Walgreens. That's going to be a large amount of units in a, in a good location where there's transit, schools, shopping, and such. And then they're putting in some uh, various rentals in the Erickson community. Correct. So they have three current projects towards affordable housing. They are moving in that direction. I don't want to single out one project and the, its flaws and, and, and uh, reasons why we should do it without saying that there is some things getting done towards affordable housing and a step in the right direction. Joe? Yeah, I just, I just want to make sure your listeners kind of understand what's on the table, Tim. Um, and, and Kent has alluded to it, but the proposal from Bethany Lutheran is to build 20 or more single family homes, affordable homes on primarily on the south parcel that they own at that location. They own two parcels. And then um, zone the lowest amount of density that's, of anywhere within within any law on the island, correct? Absolutely correct. It is so in, really maxing this out. It is in what's termed the conservation area by our by our comprehensive plan. The conservation area and it's zoned at 0 0.4 residences, which means one residence, one home per two and a half acres. So They've got like 8.4 acres in on two parcels. The north parcel is largely built out already. It contains a church building, an assembly hall, um, a large parking lot. Um, and nursery. It, yeah, it, it contains multiple structures that were permitted under a conditional use permit in this conservation area. Um, the south parcel is – uh, it's like a, it's a little less than four acres, as, as I recall, um, 3.7 or 3.75 or something like that. Um, it's tucked in. It's tucked into that triangle between Sportsman Club and Finch Roads. Um, open, natural park-like area, like Kent was saying, orchard, um, grasses, trees, habitat, you know, um, People, people walk their dogs there. It's, it's a beautiful yep. spot. Um, and the bulk of these 20 or possibly 23, 24, I mean, we haven't seen a final plan yet, but they're clearly trying to max out what can be fit, just sort of fit as a, as a matter of kind of space and, and, and infrastructure on that parcel. And this, the city is largely accommodating that. The city is bending over backwards in this draft ordinance that it has now uh, put forward for public comment on October 11th. It would essentially accommodate 21, 23, 24. It's not quite clear, but more than 20 single family homes on um, a parcel of about four acres that is zoned. About three homes, yeah, Pro yeah, probably. I and mean, and that's with the current density bonus that's on the books. That's the law now. Well, would allow if they build affordable housing. Yeah, there, there's arguments. Right. People do the math a little differently, but right. but by and large, the the key point I think Tim is is what what I pointed out a minute ago, which is it's zoned for one house per two and a half acres, mm -hmm. and you've got about a four acre parcel. So, you know, my way of doing the math is if you round it up and, and give them, you know, give them as, as much, <laughs> you know, kind of leeway, give, yeah. be, give them leeway, you get two houses on that four acres. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Kent has alluded to an existing density bonus for affordable housing already on our books on the city code, which would be a 50% bonus. Um, which, you know, arguably mm -hmm. you could, you, you can make an argument for three, but they're, 
they're pushing for 21, 22, 23, something in, in that order. Mm -hmm. So it's inordinate and it's going to, unfortunately, you know, pave over a beautiful, natural, open space in a way that does not respect the, the comprehensive plan's, you know, emphasis on preserving mm -hmm. the – you know, the, the quality of life on this island and the rural nature of that neighborhood. I definitely want to get back to growth management and comprehensive um, plan for the city. But let's back up a little bit on the density bonus. There's a religious-based density bonus, and then there's a nonprofit-based? or No, the city allows a density bonus if you build affordable houses. So, it's a, so it has it, nothing to do with whether it's secular or non-secular. That's correct. Okay, I just wanted to clear that's that up. A, that's an existing 50% density bonus for affordable, affordable housing. housing. For any for any property owner, secular, religious, any any property. So Kent, how did they come up with this idea of such a large increase in density bonus for that property <laughs> up know, to 725%? You know, it's hard to say exactly how um Who's brainchild the, the, the <laughs> rationale, but what is clear is that um the church and their consultants have determined that the state will allow a uh, septic system, not on sewer, that will accommodate 54 bedrooms. That's the maximum septic they can put on the site. With so based on 54 bedrooms, you just divide up how many uh, buildings that you can put bedrooms into, and the number is 20 plus. So this is how it's come up. It's based, in my understanding, solely on septic. Wow. Right. And there's a couple other interesting things because – and this speaks to a much larger issue in that the ordinance is being crafted to allow Bethany to do what it is they're asking for. But what's interesting to me is that the are, there's lots of pieces that will need to be evaluated. Like the laws. Well, you know, uh, septic is is one issue that isn't resolved yet, but there's also other codes that City of Bainbridge has, the subdivision ordinance, which requires uh, public open space, private open space, you know, preservation of <laughs> of, of exis existing trees, you know, the Ar water catcher the, too, right? ARPA, all that stuff. And those things are not being or have not been evaluated by the planning commission or by the planning uh, department. So in other words, council is potentially – uh, stepping in front of itself, so stepping in front of this bull. Cart in front of the horses. Cart in front of the horse. And I think that, you know, uh, we've had some communication, Joe and I and others, asking the planning commission or planning department, hey, have you looked at this? I mean, is this even valid, what the ordinance is potentially allowing? And they said, well, we're just going to cross that bridge when we get to it. So for me, it seems like we're stepping uh, ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Council's getting ahead of itself. So, yeah, there's – a lot of things to consider, you know, how far away are you from the road? There was a horrible car accident there that hit the bicyclist. I do walk my dog through that park area um, quite often. And I know even with the traffic revisions, it's a sense of blind safety with a crumbling white line, basically. And you've said it before, just it's dangerous on an old mill just walking out to your mailbox at times, right? right? And I see that on Fletcher and other areas. Yeah. So we're going to cram all this traffic into that section as well. Has there been a, a traffic study about this or does that, well, no. that come later? Again, this is something that comes later. And what's interesting is the neighborhood has asked the city, so the uh, public works and police to come out. And this was last year or maybe a year and a half ago to help resolve some of the speeding issues that go by, you know, both on Sportsman's and on Finch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no resolution, just as there's no really resolution for any speeding that occurs on the island. But what this proposed development would create is potentially over 200 additional car trips per day. Yet another issue that's not being looked at in the ordinance is just proceeding forward. But I want to go back and just speak to the septic because I think this is interesting and it's just something that still has yet to be kind of uncovered to see what the reality is. But if I uh, put a septic on my private property, I have to be 100 feet away from any well, right? But what's weird is for um, Bethany, if they put this 54-bedroom septic in, which is a little bit bigger than I would put on my house, they still only have to be 100 feet away from existing wells. I mean, I think that there is public health issues that should be resolved before this ordinance moves forward 
you know, besides the traffic and, you know, just meeting existing code. I mean, there's just all these things that you would think council would want to have resolved. Are there, are there wells or aquifers <laughs> on that property? Do either one of you guys know? Uh, I don't know if, if there are on the, the Bethany property. Uh, I do know, however, that the neighbors immediately across the street on Finch Road, my neighbors, um, are all on wells. And um, many of them have expressed, um, you know, very serious concerns about the point that, that Kent is raising, which is um, their wells are, you know, down downstream, as it were, downhill from this this Bethany property, and um, they're very concerned about it. So they would be worried about contamination or the septic field failing in some fashion, and then affecting the water and the neighboring houses. That's that what you're alluding to. Yeah, but to answer your question, there is one existing irrigation well on the Bethany property. Um, that they actively use, and whether or not that's going to be impacted and have to be decommissioned because of the proposed septic, I think that's to be determined. But this point, you know, the the larger point, I guess, uh, is simply the lack of infrastructure for this kind of high-density development at this location. It's a location in the conservation area, um, and it doesn't have sidewalks. There, You know, it's it's a it's a dangerous road. Uh, yeah, it's uh, one of the more dangerous roads, I believe. And uh, <laughs> it, it's not connected to, to sewer. Um, and, um, you know, the proponents of the plan make a, a big deal about the fact that there's a park and ride in the Bethany Lutheran parking lot. So they've, they've agreed to, you know, lease a certain number of spaces for park and ride transit commuters who can be f- shuttled over to the ferry terminal but that that's hardly a um it's it's not what it's often presented at, as which is this this really efficient transportation hub um so the the infrastructure issues are are real significant the, as kent has pointed out the, the city council frankly, just doesn't want to deal with them at this point. And they contend that, oh, that will all get sorted out later when a specific application, you know, building permit, application for a building permit is submitted, at which point we'll we'll bring to bear all the existing city code requirements for, you know, setbacks and 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 lot coverage and, and so, you know, drain, drainage and so forth. I mean, my concern, and, and I think the concern of many of my neighbors, um, is simply that what we're seeing is, uh, as, as Kent was saying, a kind of, you know, a kind of grasping at straws to try to be seen to be addressing an affordable housing issue in a way that's heedless of other values that this community has made clear are, are paramount, are, 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 Community priorities, and that that includes protection of the natural environment and building in a sustainable way, in, in a way that preserves, you know, what yeah, our comp plan calls the special quality of of the island. That's the line, the first line of the what do they call it? The oath or the guiding principles of <laughs> City of Bainbridge Island is it? Is that not number one guiding principle? It, it it is actually. When you look at the the Bainbridge website, you'll see, you know, the guiding principles. They're they're printed out uh, under every agenda of the city council when there's mm-hmm. a city council meeting, and and those guiding principles. I, I think you're right. Principle number one says preserve the special quality of life on on Bainbridge Island. You know, I want to add just Joe touched on sustainability. I mean, the island, the council has adopted a climate action plan. And uh, one of the goals is to reduce because I think uh, transportation is the number two uh, uh, source of greenhouse gas, you know, building heating and cooling is number one. And what's interesting about the Bethany Project is it clearly does not satisfy the goals of the Climate Action Plan. I mean, what the, Bethany is a drive-to suburban sprawl community. I mean, while there may be a park and ride, I mean, get a grip. I mean, who's going to ride their bike uh, to go shopping? I mean, who's going to uh, – I need something and I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to wait for the bus to show up. I mean, this is really nothing more than what we've seen all over the island. And I think that we have to be honest about whether or not this satisfies the goals that the island has adopted for climate change. 
Yeah, and it makes sense because the the density growth areas are in the Winslow Corridor, where there's ample transportation, there's walking to shops, schools, etc., libraries, library. I used to murder that word when I was a kid. It was always berries. But <laughs> Bethany Lutheran is out of that scope by yeah. at least a quarter mile. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. It's more. It's, a, it's one and a quarter mile you know, from uh, downtown Winslow. Yeah, and and, and and I just want to say, plus there's a nice hill there that you know you watch cyclists struggle to get up that. <laughs> I'm one of them. Yeah, the, you've you've touched on again another sort of talking point that the proponents um, advance, which is that it's okay for us to um, permit high density development here at the Bethany property because it's close to the you know the wind slow planning sub area. It's within a quarter mile of the boundary of the Winslow uh, planning sub area. But, you know, as as Kent says, again, that that doesn't mean within a quarter mile of the downtown core. That's right. the external edge. And, you know, that, you know, that 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 proximity argument I mean, is really the definition of sprawl. I mean, the lines that have been drawn on our zoning map for our conservation area, areas that we want to try to protect uh, as as natural open spaces, um, you know, their argument is, well, we're close enough. We're close enough, and so it's okay. Um, How did did they define this term pilot program? Well, the current ordinance simply says we are increasing we're, we're granting a series of of bon, you know density bonuses for religious organizations, but f- for right now it only applies to the Bethany Lutheran property. However, within 5 years it will apply island-wide. And and that's another aspect of this that is extremely troubling, Tim. It seems illegal like it's spot, spot zoning. Well, Is that I mean, a possibility? well, you you can make arguments, I think, and and uh, about whether it's spot zoning or not. I I suspect. Um, well, they're the singling si- out one spot for excessive density bonus. Well, it it absolutely is as as currently written, and if enacted, it would apply to one property property only for five years. So I I suspect legal arguments could be advanced that that's a spot zone. And, and if you're going to do that, there needs to be a process that would be followed, which this ordinance doesn't follow, a site-specific rezone process, which actually our code accommodates, but that's not the process that's being followed. You know, the proponents of the ordinance, again, to be fair, I, I would would argue, oh, no, it's it's not a spot zone because – it's just a delayed implementation. It will apply island-wide after five years. But the, the key point I want to make, aside from the, the legality or the argument over a possible spot zone, um, the, 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 the problem I want to highlight here is that this density bonus could apply to any religious-owned property anywhere on the island. In five years, it will if it's passed. And – the kind of density bonuses will do grave damage to the conservation areas. I mean, at least 10 of the, of the 14, my understanding, of the 14 religious congregations currently on the island are in the lowest zoned regions uh, of our zoning map in that conservation area. And so this is you know, this is going to blow up the comprehensive plans scheme for trying to protect that um, that that comprehensive. Area. So, in theory, can I just start my own religion and get those bonuses after the pilot program? I, I don't think it's that simple, but I want to underscore what Joe's saying. Let's try. Yeah, you know, okay. There's 14 <laughs> churches, right? Yeah. Uh, only one is within the Winslow planning area or within an area designated by the comp plan to receive high density. So, what about the one across from Winslow Green? Yes, that's the congregational church. That's the one you speak of? That's the one I speak of. But just to be to say it again, what Joe was mentioning is it's not just properties where churches exist. It's it's any property that's owned or controlled by a church. So 
anybody can give their 10 acres, their 20 acres, whatever it may be, to a church, and then this density bonus. Also, it could be, be off site from the church. Of course, it just has to be owned or controlled by the church. But there's yet another specter that I think. W- you know, we can't answer. It's a legal question. But, you know, clearly the um, f- the federal government, the way the Constitution is written, said you can't give special privilege to a church. You have to give it to anyone. And there's got to th- be a separation of church and state. Correct? So, you know, there's the potential that a developer is going to go to the city and say, hey, look at this. You did affordable housing uh, on Bethany. I think you should give it to me. It doesn't matter if I'm not a, if I'm not a religious organization. I mean, mm. why, why can't I have this same thing? I mean, there's the specter for lawsuits and, you know, the city's going to fold in my view because they can't justify the fact that it's only for religious organizations. So the point being is not only is a church property, it's property controlled by churches, which is another, you know, unknown about what this may mean downstream, but it's also private developers saying, Hey, I should mm. get the same thing. And churches are, excuse me, Joe, churches are in the acquisition of property. L- look at how, how many hospitals are owned by churches now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's upward of almost 80%. Well, churches are some of the biggest landowners in the United States. Yeah. And, and that's why the proponents of this affordable housing, um, you know, bonus have, you know, zeroed in on church property um, um, and and hope that it can be used for for um, affordable housing and and I, I mean I understand that <laughs> but let me just let me just talk a little more about the point Kent just made about the constitutional issue associated with the current ordinance and it, it's not just the current ordinance it's the underlying state statute the, the state statute. Mm-hmm. Um, which this ordinance um, purports to implement is a uh, 2019 law, as I said, passed by the Washington State Legislature that confers density bonuses exclusively on properties owned or controlled by religious organizations. Um, and, and as Kent pointed out, that could be that can be property which is gifted to a church or which they buy at some point. Um, and so it's kind of unbounded in in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but the the legal issue, the constitutional issue, arises. I mean, I think from from two places in the Constitution. First and most obviously from the Establishment Clause. Okay, the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Okay, and you know what that's been interpreted to mean is that. The federal government, and it applies to state governments as well, government cannot confer special benefits exclusively on religious organizations without making those benefits available to secular groups or entities at the same time. Okay, and so that's do you what you think they are offering it to other people. Well, they're not. I mean, it's just black and white. It's just written into the both the underlying state statute and the current draft of the code. Uh, I'm sorry, the current draft of the ordinance that's been put up for public hearing. It, it it applies only to religiously owned or controlled properties. So, in that respect, it runs directly counter to Supreme Court case law, which holds, as I just said, that. It is a violation of the Establishment Clause to confer benefits uniquely or exclusively on religious entities without making without making those same benefits a, a more broadly available to to secular entities as part of a you know a, a broad kind of secular purpose. So there is a real issue with Establishment Clause um, viability for this, but there's also Equal Protection Clause issues, okay? The Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, um, you know, provides that all persons shall receive the equal protection of the law. It applies both to the federal government and to the state governments, and it prevents the kind of discrimination that is evident in this statute. And it's the kind of discrimination that Kent just outlined, where similarly situated property owners – are being treated differently by the city simply based on a particular categorization, religiously owned or controlled or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is there a, is there a legitimate 
is there a legitimate basis for making that kind of discrimination? And, uh, and my view under the Equal Protection Clause is that it would not pass muster. I feel like there's two separate um, laws going for the Growth Management Act a little bit in this this case too. Like I I can't cut down a tree in my in my house without the city's permission. I have to have X amount of easement for the city to uh, be able to have access to and such. But it seems like. They're just saying, hey, we can just mow this whole block down and do what we want in this. Well, it's not quite that simple. I mean, they I think they are bound by a lot of the protections of existing uh, vegetation and that sort of stuff. Growth management. Yeah, but what – well, that's not growth management. That's ARPA and that's other things too. Okay. But, you but, use that term before, ARPA. I don't uh, know if everybody's familiar with that. Aquifer Recharge Protection Areas. Thank you. Yeah. But I want to speak to something else. Too, and you know, both the um, Puget Sound Regional Council and the Kitsap Regional Coordinating Council, who helped define what growth should occur within Puget Sound, have been very clear to where growth belongs. And they use the term transit oriented development. And what that means is that development should be adjacent to transit and services. And that's generally defined by any planning professional as a quarter mile, you know, from that service or from that transit. So, you know, it's yet another piece to this besides the stuff that Joe has just spoken about, just the legal side and the constitutional question. I mean, we have uh, professional organizations that help guide the city in making informed decisions about where development should occur saying, do this. And this ordinance is doing something different. And I mean, this is just, it's very perplexing to me. If I can add something else, just to be clear, because we're sort of beating this thing up pretty good. I just want to say that I'm super thankful of what Bethany's intention is. I mean, I believe and support affordable housing without question. I mean, if I'm paying a third of my income for property taxes alone. I mean, think of how many people are like me and just need some assistance who want to be on island because of the cost of living. And um, But another option, because options do exist, and Tim, maybe you're going to get to this, but uh, if you recall, the city once owned the property up at Vineyard Lanes. It was a maintenance yard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they did a swap with uh, the property that became now Strawberry park down at the end of Weaver. I mean, this was a win-win. The city got a park and development occurred in some place that was distant. and um, In the this, corridor. Yeah. And so the same thing exists with this Bethany thing. I mean, Bethany churches, I mean, I'm so thankful that they are willing and interested and desirous of creating affordable housing. But I think a win-win situation would be, let's not compromise the comp plan. Let's not compromise the rural environment why we have moved to Bainbridge. I mean, the city could easily transfer a uh, property that could accommodate 21 homes within the city. city owns all sorts of properties the with, old, within the old city. The police station. The police station. I mean, there's many options. I mean, what's bizarre to me <clears throat> is that we have 150 acres of parking lot within Winslow. I mean, these are brownfield sites. These are sites that have been compromised by, you know, earlier stages of development. I mean, why wouldn't we use that for affordable housing versus a site, as Joe described, that has an orchard, has a ball field, you know, has a nice stand of mature trees on it. So affordable housing is good. Bethany's doing the right thing. I mean, it just seems like we have to, you know, sort of make this work so that everybody wins rather than the island loses. Intentions are good, but um, there seems to be some problems with this proposal as it stands right now. Well, uh, yes. I mean, I underscore the point that Kent made, which is the the way it's been teed up is to make it uh, a sort of either or proposition for affordable housing on the one hand or environmental protection on the other. And it's really a false choice. Um, as you know, as Kent said, there's over 150 acres of parking lot in the Ur- Winslow urban core. And that's precisely where our comprehensive plan calls for high-density development, yeah. such as it may be appropriate. It's supported by infrastructure. It's close to the transportation hubs. Um, and it doesn't destroy open space and natural habitat. So. 
it's a false choice to think that we're facing, you know, such um, such an emergency that we have to plow under uh, or pave over open land. We can we can. And there's have only load. so much land. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think it's pretty clear uh, that you know land use decisions are a primary factor in driving climate change. Um, not to mention things like aquifer recharge. So it's it's a blinkered sort of mono, you know, kind of maniacal viewpoint, which is we got this one one problem, affordable housing, everything else we're going to disregard and we're going to grab a hold of a, a proffered solution from 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 Bethany um, with without. Take you know, you know without exploring alternatives and 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 doing the hard work, the creative work to find alternatives that satisfy other values uh, of it's the. Like city was given a shiny object, and they're just enamored with it right now. Hold on, I just want to go back to this blinkered maniacal statement. Well, a, sing, a single-minded. What I mean is a single-minded, uh, you know. Obsession with affordable housing. I, I think there's probably broad public support on Bainbridge Island for affordable housing, and the the opponents yeah. the opponents of this project that I know in my neighborhood are not opponents of affordable housing. They just would like it be, to be done right and done responsibly, rather than this kind of excessive high density development in an open natural area. Is there any alternative motives for the church or uh, uh, underlying profiteering from this project for the church? Oh, I, I think anything that would be said to that would be speculation. Yeah. But, but what okay. I want to but what I want to add though is I'm sure Tim and, and I know Joe has listened to the council discussions about the ordinance, which has been in front of council multiple times. And what's really interesting is uh, two council members, in my view, have asked really probing questions about what this ordinance may mean, not only currently, but downstream. I mean, both Pollock and Itopolis. But I've been distressed by the lack of, I think, meaningful questioning. Uh, and people doing their homework. People doing their homework. And I'm thinking, like, what the heck, man? We're just rolling forward here, and we're, we're not really dice, wondering yeah. what's going on. So I, I completely agree with that. I feel like... It hasn't been looked at through a microscope. It's been looked topily, as in it looks good on on the cover page, but we haven't read the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a kind of you know a political rhetoric around this issue, which is that we just don't have time. We just have to ram this through. We're facing yeah, we'll figure a it out down the road. Yeah, and just we've talked long enough, and um, let's just do it. Otherwise, we've to, we're just Paralyzed, we're making the 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 best the 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 enemy of the good. I mean, so that's the rhetoric which results, or apparently, in um, you know ill ill advised decisions that you know are going to damage the environment. Like I said earlier, there's three projects going on in the appropriate locations in the Winslow corridor that City Council and the Planning Commission are doing. Um, I don't know how. How desperate we are because I, I don't know the math between population and need for affordable housing. But with that said, the growth management plan is due next year for the next 10 years. Um, how is this not relatable to writing the growth management plan for the future when we're in, we're in the twilight period of the current growth management plan? Well, I mean, the there is an assessment made periodically to see if the previous commitment for population increase and for growth or for job increase has been satisfied, previous GMA commitments by the island and by the county. And what's interesting is the island has been meeting its both population targets yep. and its employment targets. We're doing really well, but it's a really interesting process and kind of a dance because Kitsap County receives um, a certain number of people they have to accommodate. And then somehow 
uh, all the uh, municipalities in the county sit down in a room. They have whatever the number is, 20,000 new people for the next 10 years, and they divide it up. They say, sure, I'll take 10,000. You know, I'll take 5,000. You know, I don't want any. So this process, I'm not sure if it's concluded for the new next 10-year plan, but that's in the process. But how all this – so this – I mean, the Growth Management Act, you know, clearly is the right thing. It allows and demands that communities – Accept growth so that some don't get more and some get less. And that's, but but that's, just, a, that's a very fair thing. Just to reiterate the key point, which is that Bainbridge Island is accommodating the growth that's contemplated under the Growth Management Act. We are doing our share. In fact, part. more than our part. Yeah. And we do not need additional high-density development in order to satisfy the Growth Management Act. And, and what's more is um, – it's uh, for the current zoning on the island, for the properties that are undeveloped, it's projected that we can meet the growth management targets through 2050. In other words, if you just keep developing in all the rural areas and you develop what Winslow allows and what the neighborhood centers allow, we have enough growth potential to accommodate the GMA through 2050. Right. Without this kind of radical upzone. That is being proposed in this in this ordinance. All right. So, what? Why do you think we're even contemplating this discussion? It's because it's affordable housing. I mean, the thing is, I want to see affordable housing. We just don't want to see it. I don't want to see it at Bethany. It's just the wrong location. It's, it's not about affordable housing. It's about appropriate land use. I mean, it's I about it's about climate change. It's about respecting the neighborhoods. It's about respecting the rural nature of Bainbridge and protecting it. Well, with that said, we've seen two council people come out in the paper the last two weeks with op-ed articles, one in, in favor of this and and one that's trying to push pause. How do you feel their arguments uh, justify the idea? Well, um, I, I, I did read the, um, the guest column that appeared in the Bainbridge Islander from Councilmember Hytopoulos about a week ago. Um, I haven't read the more recent piece from Councilmember Quitzland, um, which I understand was in many respects a response to Councilmember Hytopoulos' piece. Sure, sure Ca- read like that. Councilmember Hytopoulos uh, pointed out some of the flaws in this current draft ordinance, including the way in which Again, in order to accommodate the Bethany request or seemingly to, to, to accommodate that request, uh, this draft ordinance will, will confer the highest density bonuses in what are now zoned as the lowest density regions of the island in, in, in our conservation area, while it would confer smaller density bonuses in the urban core. And, and this, she points out, and um, as a ripple effect. It, well, and it's for development direct, all over the island. It has a ripple effect because it can be applied all over the island once this becomes applicable island wide. But it also runs directly counter to what's di- set out and contemplated by our comprehensive plan, which calls mm-hmm. for higher density development in the urban cores and our guiding principles. So, so but but the the point I uh, a point I want to make is she she has pointed out. That, that that's a flaw with the current draft. And she's also pointed out that there are – there's nothing in the current draft that would require that some of this affordable housing be rental. And she, she wants more rental housing. Uh, she also takes issue – and this gets a little technical, but she takes issue with – how affordability is defined. It's de- yeah. it's defined in the current draft as in the underlying statute at 80% of AMI, which a- AMI is area median income. And and 80% which which we should clarify is based on the county for Kitsap County. Right. Okay. So and- so just generally speaking a family of 4 the AMI is about $93,000. Okay. That, it, it, that seems it, low. It, it, in, any, in any event, what – Well, that's what it could, is for the county. And, that's, right, right, and right. that's the problem for Bainbridge. You know, it's a whole different ballgame. But I'm uh, sorry, Joe. Well, what, what Councilmember Hytopolis would like to do is to 
define affordability in the ordinance at a lower at a lower level at 60% of AMI to really make it affordable mm-hmm. for you know for for retail workers for home health aides for people who are you know who who are the workforce that the proponents of this this proposal actually claim to be d- wanting to help and 80% of AMI that doesn't really do it they're still not going to be able to afford that so it won't truly be affordable so her and and these are legitimate criticisms i don't i'm not suggesting they're not they're they're very legitimate criticisms of the current draft ordinance what what she doesn't really take issue with <laughs> is is a very important point in my view which is that this proposal would involve paving over and developing conservation area in a way that you know is <laughs> is contrary to the values of the island and the current zoning scheme. So while she does point out the anomaly between granting a higher density bonus in the in the conservation area than in the urban core, she's not really hitting, in my view, hard enough on the fact that there's an environmental issue here. And that yeah. needs to be front and center alongside the, you know, the desire of the community for affordability. Um, and at the city council meeting last Tuesday on September 13th, I believe, um, the discussion around this issue did not involve any discussion of, you know, the, the community's desire to protect the special quality of the island and the open space and, and the natural habitat. And that needs to be really brought to the fore. You know, I want to bring up a personal story in my neighborhood. Uh, there was a large parcel. There was a large parcel for sale, and um, the Unitarian Church on the island was looking to purchase it. You know, it's a residential neighborhood, and uh, it required a conditional use permit. And, you know, we kind of got the neighbors together, and, you know, 95% of us signed a petition and went to the city and said, I don't think so. I mean, just because of the traffic and the church wanted to operate a daycare and, you know, it was a 14,000-square-foot building. I mean, all of wow. the, all of this stuff. And, you know, the process worked. The neighbors had a voice, and they were able to say, I don't think so. And the church responsibly said, I don't. Yeah, this doesn't really belong here. And I think the same thing is true for Bethany. I mean, I don't know that anyone, Joe, in your neighborhood that lives, you know, within, you know, 100 yards even of the church is supporting it. And what's baffling to me is how can, you know, my neighborhood successfully say, hey, this just doesn't make sense for my neighborhood. This is, I bought my property believing this is what I'm going to get. Yeah, I'm you're get, very I'm, rural. I'm, I'm going to get two houses. I'm not going to get 21 houses and 200 car trips a day and all the other things that go with it. I mean, I'm kind of baffled by why the church hasn't said, whoa, you know, we haven't thought this through. We're trying to do the right thing. You know, maybe there's another way we can make this happen because we don't want to be in conflict with the neighbors who clearly did not buy here expecting this to happen. Yeah, because is, isn't your area semi-agricultural zoning? Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's zoned in that zero point four um, uh, conservation uh, you area. Call it whatever you like. And, and and when you look at the city code, I mean, you're you're correct, Tim. When you look at the city code, they say okay, that that zone is contemplated for um, you know residential use, but also consistent with land uses such as agriculture and forestry. And you know, one of my my friends and neighbors is a, a subsistence farmer. I mean, he there is there is agriculture underway and he's very upset about the prospect of this kind of urbanization um right up the hill. So, yeah, if you want to hear more on this topic, go check out a previous episode with Jim Hallbrook, the eco-warrior who also lives in this area, gave his thoughts on on Bethany Lutheran affordable housing. Well, can, can I Go ahead. I was going to just add something to be sure we don't forget it. I mean, uh, today is today. Mon- tomorrow, mon- be tomorrow. Mon- Monday. Yeah, thank you. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe nobody's – this isn't going live, right? So no. you're going to – It's a generic right? time of day when somebody listens. Oh, my listens God. All it. right. Well, but here's the deal. I mean, Joe and I and maybe a few others are going to be going down to Madrone Lane, and I think we're going to be there uh, with some frequency asking people to sign a petition that urges council to kind of take a step back. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not just jump at this. Let's be sure we know what it is we're buying, and let's make sure that everybody is – all all the boxes are checked. We've looked at climate change. We've looked at the neighbors. We've looked at the environment. We've looked at the comp plan, all of that stuff. We're going to be down there talking to people and asking people to sign a petition, and we'll be there again. I think we're going to be both at Madrone Lane and down at Linwood, probably at the marketplace. And that petition's on change.org. What's the title of that petition? Do you guys know? Well, the title, and I'm not sure this is quite the the way it would read on the URL, but um, actually, we'll put the link in the story notes for everybody. It, it is at, at www.change.org. Um, Protect Bainbridge Island's conservation area and respect its comprehensive plan. That's the title of the online petition at change.org. We've got at last I checked was yesterday afternoon. There are over 300 signatures on that petition mm-hmm. already. Yeah, and this is just after a couple of days of the petition being up, and I think it's closer, maybe now over 400. I mean, clearly people are interested in this as a topic and really want council to take a hard look at this. Yeah, and we- I know I want feedback. What is a better choice in in your mind as a listener? How does this affect you? What kind of solutions do you perhaps have? And, you know, if you are in favor of this, please tell me why. Um, I'm open to discussing it and listening to anybody and everybody that has a comment on this. Um, Can you explain to me, the difference between growth management and comprehensive plan is one state and one city, or are they both together? Well, okay, the Growth Management Act is a statute passed by the state of Washington, and um, it sets up um, you know, a scheme, as it were, which counties and municipalities can, um, can sort of adopt if – Counties are if if counties are sufficiently large enough in population, they are required to do. They're required to be part of the Growth Management Act scheme, as it were, and and its re, and abide by its requirements. More rural counties, especially out in in eastern Washington, not not all of them are required to quote plan under the Growth Management Act. But we here in the Puget Sound area are. I mean, Kitsap County, King County, um, you know, Snohomish, Pierce. Well, all these counties. Counties are planning under the growth, the state's growth management act. Now, one of the things that it requires, the growth management act, is that counties and municipalities planning under the act form comprehensive plans, comprehensive mm-hmm. plans which will govern land use and and wise land use. One of the express purposes of the growth management act is to prevent urban sprawl. Okay. Um, Maybe suburban sprawl. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, we here on Bainbridge Island in the early 1990s began that process of developing a comprehensive plan. We've had that comprehensive comprehensive plan in place now for over 20 years. It's it's been updated um, at least once. I believe the current comprehensive plan was last updated. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kent, but I think it was 2017. Um, They are subject to periodic updates. Mm. There will be – there are often proposed amendments to the comprehensive plan, but the comprehensive plan is supposed to sort of set out guidelines that cities then should follow, are obligated to follow in the development regulations that they promulgate. So this ordinance that's under consideration should be subject to – the comprehensive plan and you know there are legal arguments that if it goes through well it, you also it, said it was sorry go ahead finish. well i was just going to say that that if it gets passed in its current form not only are there, there those constitutional issues that i described but there may be legal arguments that it does not conform with the requirements of the comprehensive plan and therefore of the growth management. But, but I want to be clear about the comprehensive plan. I mean, that's super clear and I take no exception. But what the deal is with the comprehensive plan, it's a vision document. 
It is nothing more than that. I mean, the uh, you saying it doesn't legally bind them to do so? That's correct. Well, I, I respectfully disagree, but go ahead, Ken. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of the development that happens on the island is allowed not because it's uh, in concert in supporting the comprehensive plan. It's because it's allowed by current land use. I mean, and this has been an issue within the council and within the city for decades. The land use code does not necessarily align with the vision and the intent of the comp plan. So the comp plan, you know, I mean, this is a legal discussion, perhaps, <laughs> which, I, I think I, which I think I need to step <laughs> away from. But the bottom line is, 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 you know, somebody is wants to develop something. The comp plan is only brought into play, in my understanding, when the planning commission reviews a potential development. But the planning commission's recommendations to council is a recommendation only. There's nothing binding about what the planning commission comes up with. So, you know, it's the land use that's the so, issue. And I think that council members and planning uh, planning staff, I'm sure that Blair King, the city manager, all accept the truth that the uh, comp plan is not supported uh, as it should be to um, with the land use. So – it's yet another piece. I mean, there's the GMA for sure. There's the comp plan requirement for sure. But then the bottom line and what's driving this thing is what land use is. Okay. Tim, can I just – I do want yeah, to speak to, to, that one, <laughs> to that one issue. I mean, and I, I, I understand, you know, Kent's view that the comp plan is just a visionary document. It does certainly contain lots of aspirational language, including, to be fair, aspirational language. So with that said, around, you said it could – it could have review and be adjusted. Could they review and adjust it on this specific plan right now? Well, certainly they they could and they could review and amend it in a way that would make this that would rezone this area and and take it outside of our conservation area and 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 make this kind of consistent with the comp plan. But there is aspirational language in the comp plan about affordable housing and and so forth and so on. However. I, I do want to push back a little bit on the notion that it's not a legally binding document because under the language of the GMA, the state statute that calls for growth these comprehensive yeah, the Growth Management Act that calls for these uh, comprehensive plans, development regulations can be adopted only after there's been an approval of a comprehensive plan. And those development reg regulations must be consistent with the plan. And I mean, I can give you a statutory site for that. That is language drawn from the GMA. So I do believe there are legal arguments and there will be legal arguments if this, gets, lawsuit, if, yeah. this, if this ordinance passes that it is inconsistent with, that it violates this portion of the GMA – because it's a development regulation that is not consistent with our comprehensive but, plan. But I think there's a bigger question. The comprehensive plan has lots of aspirational uh, goals. One of them is affordable housing. One of them is maintaining the rural quality of the island. One is uh, being climate change sensitive. I mean, how do you how do you balance all those things? I mean, does it just because they want affordable housing is that good enough? I mean, do these other things even matter? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, without, you know, the, <laughs> without Fair trying point. to read the future or predict how a, a lawsuit would, would play out, the only point I, I want to make here is that I do think the Growth Management Act, um, which, you know, requires comprehensive plans, makes those plans something more than in, than simply aspirational. It there yeah. there is case law requiring municipalities to respect uh, comprehensive plans and further again while while admitting that there's aspirational language in our comprehensive plan about affordable housing I think the the clear priority and emphasis in our comprehensive plan is that we need to respect the natural environment. We as a community have developed a plan designed to do that with a zoning scheme. And while we have aspirations about affordable housing, those aspirations can and should be met within the parameters of our zoning scheme where high density growth, uh, you know, even for affordable housing is concentrated in the designated centers, the urban cores like Winslow. I just want to say amen. <laughs> well, I think that's a good good place to stop before I put my foot in my mouth anymore. And uh, 
thank you listeners out there in Podcastville for enduring this. And I hope that you will take action and educate yourself on this matter for yourself in multiple ways. Joe, Kent, thank you for your time. It's been a great discussion. I hope it sparks many more discussions around the island. You've been listening to The Bystander. Be kind.